Uh, good evening. If you would grab your Bibles and turn to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 8 is where we will start tonight. Genesis chapter 8. I want to say two things, well, three things before I get started. I know um, many of you were praying for me yesterday, preaching uh, at the meeting with Brother Richards. I think that went very well, and I appreciate the prayers. Um, and zero problems with my voice yesterday. So uh, this morning, on the other hand, was different. But uh, I also uh, wanted to say that... Uh, my voice cut out twice this morning, and if you were here, uh, amazingly enough, you know, those wonderful coincidences, both times was the time I was trying to get the gospel out as clear as I could. And we had a young man here this morning, he's visited quite often, uh, probably four, five, six times, and he was close to coming down for salvation this morning, so if you would keep him in your prayers, I really hope that it wasn't that that stopped it, but... Uh, you just don't know. And so, um, but uh, just uh, keep him in your prayers. Pray he comes back again and uh, maybe get another chance to, to hear the gospel. He's heard it repeatedly now, and uh, he's gaining some understanding. So just pray for him. He may just not have been ready. So uh, I hope, I hope uh, he gets saved real soon. Uh, and then uh, last thing I want to say is that it is very hard for me to stand over there and not sing. And so, and I appreciate Daniel came up and sang. I had you sing because I just can't sing today. So I wanted somebody else to, you know, just do something. And uh, so thank you for that. That was a blessing. And in fact, he has no idea this goes right with my message. So thank you. And uh, Genesis chapter 8 now. Uh, is where we are. Uh, obviously, I, I'm hoping you have some familiarity with the book of Genesis. I am hoping certainly you know the character Noah. Uh, of course, the man Noah. And so, uh, right, Genesis chapter 6, the world is so wicked, God lets Noah know that he's going to send a flood to destroy the earth. And of course, he does exactly that. Forty days and forty nights it rained upon the earth uh, after Noah is uh, finished the ark. Uh, the Lord has it rain. He closed the door. The rain descends. Everybody on the earth passes away outside of, of course, Noah and his wife and their sons and daughters, uh, daughter-in-laws for them, their sons' wives. And they all get off of the boat here at the end of chapter 8. And the first thing Noah does in verse number 20 is this. Uh, Genesis 8.20, And Noah builded an altar unto the Lord, and took of every clean beast and of every clean fowl, and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And the Lord smelled a sweet savor. And the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground any more for man's sake, for the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite any more every living, everything living as I have done. While the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest and cold and heat and summer and winter and day and night shall not cease. Chapter 9, you get the blessings to Noah and his sons and so on it goes. Uh, but notice the first thing that Noah does is he builds an, ark, he builds an altar. 
Uh, he builds the altar, and when he builds the altar, he makes the sacrifices he's supposed to make. Now, uh, as he as he does that, now most people go, well, he put the animals on the boat, and it was two by two, and it's true, it was a male and a female, and it was pairs, uh, but he had different numbers of pairs for different things. Uh, you realize he didn't put uh, just one pair of sheep on that boat. Uh, that wouldn't work really well right about this time when uh, he killed them and offered them as a burnt offering, we would no longer have that, all right? That would kind of defeat the purpose. Uh, he took seven pairs of clean animals onto the boat. Uh, that is what he did. Uh, and so he has extra to be able to do what he is about to do because this is what the Lord would want him to do. And he shows up and he's, this is the first, this is the first place where we find someone had built an altar in the scriptures. Now notice, uh, there was no command for him to build it. The Lord didn't say you have to build an altar and you have to make a sacrifice. He just told him to take some extra clean animals. Noah knew enough that God would want a sacrifice. He'd want enough for him to build an altar and offer and make an offering to him. Uh, notice it wasn't a commanded one. It also, uh, it wasn't uh, one of constraint. God didn't have to, you know, bully him into doing it. It was a free will. Of Noah's free will, he made the offering that he makes this day. Uh, he lays that out. Uh, not only that, but notice the result of it is that it comes up before the Lord as a sweet savor. The Lord was pleased with an offering at an altar. He was pleased with that. In fact, he was so pleased he gives a promise to an entire world now. Isn't it funny that at an altar, a man makes a decision and God decides he's going to do something as well? I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake. I've done enough. I don't have to do anymore. I know the imagination of his heart is only evil from his youth and he's going to go ahead and keep doing uh, wicked things, but I won't smite everything the way that I've done. And as long as the earth's around, seed time, harvest, cold and winter, or cold and heat, summer and winter, all that stuff, that's all going to run like normal. I'm going, to keep, I'm going to keep everything just the way that it is right here. That's amazing. You say, well, he would have done that anyways. Really? Are you sure? Because I find the sweet-smelling savor came up from the altar that uh, Noah built, and... Then the Lord decided what he was about to do. You know what that tells me? That tells me that, the, that at an altar you can change the mind of God. Not only that, Noah gets blessed. Verse num chapter 9 and verse number 1, God blessed Noah and his sons. Say, so when did you get a blessing? After the altar. So we're about to go into a set of revival meetings and uh, you say, well, I've already covered on the importance of church, all right? Uh, you ought to be here. You ought to be here for as many of them as you can make. I understand work. I understand family. I understand all those things. But if you can be here, you ought to be here. Why? Because you shouldn't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Say, well, it's just our guys, you know, and we hear them and, you know, it's no big deal. Lord's got it. Lord's got, 
Lord, the Lord is going to work in whoever he puts and the order that he has got it all set up and just the way that he works, we've seen it over and over again. It makes no difference ultimately who steps back here. We've seen it when uh, Pastor Legault was the pastor and he uh, had to times he was not well and I had to step in to preach and the Lord used that just the way he wanted to use it and he understood that and I understood it. These men have gotten up before and they've preached and they've done those things and they've been studying and getting ready for these particular nights that they're going to speak and the Lord is going to use that and he's going to use it and I hope that it causes people to do what I'm about to talk about tonight. I hope it causes people to use an altar. Now I am not one who who does that idea now? Uh, let me preface some of this here. Uh, I, I don't care how many people come to an altar. I'm not up here counting. Like, oh yeah, uh, how many did I get to get down here and do? I don't care. Uh, that doesn't matter to me. I don't care about the number. I don't care about any of those things. I don't gauge how well I preached by how many people showed up down here. That's, that's not how I gauge how well I did or what I've done or if it was a great message or if it was a terrible one. Well, nobody moved and nobody... Some messages aren't designed for you to move. Some messages aren't even designed for you to, to really... I mean, this morning I was amazed anybody would have come to the altar. That was just... Unless somebody was coming for salvation, I wasn't really thinking anybody was coming this morning. That was on the Holy Ghost and how great He's been to me uh, and what He does in our lives. I didn't really necessarily i even said it i don't this isn't really an altar call message this isn't something like that but uh, there are times when and especially during a week of revival that you ought to spend some time coming to an altar and i'm going to talk about the importance of the altar i know this isn't in the a morning service and i'm kind of sneaking one in uh on the on the idea of the meetings but this is going to be part of that series on important things that i've been doing and we're going to tag this in here as the importance of the altar now the other thing is that uh, although we, we call this area up here the altar, right? You, you come down to the altar. We talk about it as the altar. Now, uh, we're, we're not up here taking a lamb and slitting its throat, right? That's not the kind of altar I'm talking about. Uh, and I also will say this, you don't need to have this as your only altar. Uh, I am, I am wholehearted. I got an altar at the house and I got an altar back there in my office and we got an altar at every seat in here and we've got an altar in your heart and you got an altar. You, you can pray wherever you are and make a sacrifice that needs to be made onto the Lord wherever you are. I understand that. Uh, I am a big proponent of that. Sometimes you can't even make it to this place in the front. You're just going to stay right where you are and the Lord just deals with you right there and that's, that's perfectly fine as well. I will caution here in a moment, and, and we'll talk a little bit more about it later. Uh, I often caution this uh, as, you know what the place is? Well, why, would I, why do I have to go down there when I can just do it right here? And sometimes it's because the Lord asks you to go up there because it is a humbling moment. And He wants to see your humility, and we'll get to that here later. But uh, the altar is a wonderful place. It is a wonderful place. It's not a scary place. Folks think the altar is a place that they ought to be afraid of. And I know you ought to fear the Lord and I know all those things, but the altar is a wonderful place because it is a place of blessing. And it is a place where God gets to work and help you and to strengthen you and to take your burdens. And we'll get into all these things here in just a moment. I am getting ahead of myself. But uh, the truth is the altar is a wonderful place because it is the place where you get to make a sacrifice to the Lord and He gets to answer. 
it's a place where you get to, to sacrifice some things. And I don't mean a literal lamb. And I don't mean that you got to come up here and, and, you know, make a big show. It's not about the show. I don't mean it in that way at all. You realize the priests were giving offerings all through the Old Testament and it wasn't a big show. It was just what needed to be done. I mean, sure, it could have been an amazing thing to watch. I mean, the first time you see those priests have to go through and slit the throat and drain the blood and get everything in order and put the blood on, on the horns of the altar and do all in the burn offering and the... That's probably pretty amazing show. I mean, you got to think, man, that's a lot of work and that's a lot of, and then breaking that animal down and cutting it up into the pieces and separating some over here and some over there and making sure everything's where it's supposed to be and burning what they're supposed to burn and keeping what they're supposed to keep and giving you back what you need and all the other things. But that wasn't the reason for it. The reason wasn't the show. The reason was the Lord asked for a sacrifice and they had to give it. And so tonight I'm going to preach on the importance of the altar, and I think it's very fitting going into a set of meetings where I hope the Lord deals with your heart and you get to come and, and maybe lay some things at an altar and give it as a sacrifice to Him. And so let's have a word of prayer. I'll talk about the altar tonight. Father, I do thank You for bringing us back again this evening. I pray You would help me, Lord, to convey the thoughts. I've got a lot of thoughts in my mind tonight. I pray that I would convey them the way that You want them said and Lord, that it would be your words and not my words, and that I'd be able to uh, do justice, Lord, to the altar and the greatness of uh, the privilege that you give us that goes along with the privilege of prayer that we have. And Lord, I pray that you would just work in our hearts. Lord, I pray you'd be with us this week. Father, I pray that, uh, Lord, you'd be with each and every preacher that's going to speak, and Father, give them wisdom. Lord, I pray you'd have folks be here, Lord, that, that nothing would hinder those that would be here. Father, I pray you'd help us to get from the Word of God what you want us to get this week and that we would do something about what you want us to do. And Lord, we pray you would get the praise, the honor, and the glory. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Uh, here's Noah. And so, no, or, uh, yeah, Noah, and he's built this altar. Now, uh, the first thing I want you to see about the altar, turn over to Exodus chapter 29. Go to a bunch of spots on this part, but... Uh, we'll just we'll just grab a couple here. Exodus chapter twenty nine. Exodus chapter twenty nine. Look at verse thirty six. And thou shalt offer every day a bullock for a sin offering for atonement. And thou shalt cleanse the altar when thou hast made an atonement for it, and thou shalt anoint it to sanctify it seven days. Thou shalt make an atonement for the altar and sanctify it, and it shall be an altar most holy. Whatsoever toucheth the altar shall be holy. Uh, and he's going to keep going. There's lots of places we could have gone for this. Uh, the first thing I want you to know about the altar is it's a great place to have your sin dealt with. Uh, they make an offering for sin in the Old Testament. They do it repeatedly. They bring the lamb without spot, without blemish. They bring it and they cut the throat and they do all those things. If you can't have a lamb, you got two turtle doves and all the things and uh, the provisions that God makes for the sacrifices of the Old Testament to make sure that uh, the altar could have the right sacrifice put upon it and the blood was shed and the 
course, the Bible makes sure we understand without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. And uh, you can't get rid of sin without blood. And so they brought the atonement. They brought the sacrifice in and they'd slit the throat. They'd kill it and they'd, they'd lay it on the altar and they'd burn it. And uh, they'd go ahead and, and make the offering. And the offering made it so that uh, in this particular instance that we were reading, uh, this is the offering to cleanse the cleanse the altar itself that uh, they were getting ready to use. And so you had to cleanse the altar so they would burn on the altar and they would make the offering in seven days. And at the end of the seven days, the altar was cleansed and it was holy. You catch that? It was holy. Isn't that what we're supposed to be? Isn't be ye holy for I am holy. That's still in there. The Lord wants a holy people. He wants the Christian to be holy. He wants the lost man to become holy. Isn't that what He did when He saved you? He made it so that your sins were forgiven forever. Isn't that what He did? Come, let us reason together, saith the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Isn't it the place where God went ahead and made a sacrifice for you? with the Lord Jesus Christ to pay the debt of your sins. The altar is the place we get sin taken care of. It's the place where immediately you and I can go and, and have it taken care of. That's why I said, you know, uh, you, you don't need this altar. If you needed this altar, we'd be in trouble. Right? If you needed this altar to take care of sin, you'd be in trouble because you'd have to wait a couple days every once in a while. And the Lord doesn't want that. He wants fellowship, right? In 1 John chapter 1, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. You say, well, what's the sacrifice at that altar? It was Jesus Christ was the sacrifice. It was the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world that paid the price of your sins and He makes it possible for you to come and see Him. And sometimes you hear the... <coughs> Excuse me. You hear the preaching here and you know what you get? You get convicted of some sin. And maybe it's some things you didn't even realize you were doing wrong. You ever have that? Oh, that was wrong? I've been doing that wrong and I didn't even know. Okay, well then you know what it's time to do? Uh, find an altar. And it may be the altar of your seed and it may be the altar of your heart at that particular moment or it may be I need to come down there because I, I need to go talk to the Lord. And that doesn't mean that the Lord is right here. You understand that. Uh, the Lord is, but you know what? It's, it's very symbolic. Uh, there's, there's, as much as I'm not into the idea of psychology, there is a little psychology there. It helps the brain goes, okay, I actually moved and got it taken away from me. Uh, there is a little bit of that. Uh, but the truth is you get to come down and you get to humble yourself. And we'll get to that here lastly. But uh, you get to come and recognize I'm a sinner. I've sinned against God again. And although I'm a saint in the eyes of God for all of eternity, I have sinned and transgressed against Him. And maybe I ought to come down and make a sacrifice. You say, what's that sacrifice? Come back down and recognize the fact that Jesus Christ and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin again. It's the place where you can immediately take care of your sins and the altar is always available. And like I said, it doesn't have to be here. It's 
you're at home and something goes wrong. You're at work and something goes wrong. You're driving and something goes wrong. You're working, you're doing this, you're doing that. You're out at the grocery store. Somebody cuts you off in traffic, whatever it is. Oh, Lord, I better hit an altar. I better hit an altar and make a quick sacrifice right here because I know that the Lord paid for my sins. The altar is vital to taking care of sins. It's the place where atonement was made for sin. It's the place in the New Testament where you and I come to and we get to use to go ahead and give Him that glory and let Him know, hey, I I messed up, but I know Jesus Christ can wash me again. I'll take the sacrifice that I had before to wash this thing. I know I messed it up and I'm sorry. Not only that, look over at... uh, Leviticus chapter 22. Leviticus chapter 22. I'm not going to preach long tonight, partly because of my voice and partly because I don't want to keep you long tonight. You're going to hear a lot more preaching this week. Leviticus chapter 22, verse number 17, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto Aaron and to his sons, and unto all the children of Israel, and say unto them, Whatsoever he be of the house of Israel or of the strangers in Israel, that will offer his oblation for all his vows and for all his freewill offerings, which they will offer unto the Lord for a burnt offering, ye shall offer at your own will, a male without blemish of the beeves, of the sheep, or of the goats. And he's going to go on and talk more about what those are. Uh, But the truth is, he's making the statement here that there's a free will offering. It's not a requirement, right? He's not requiring this as something where you have to do. The sin offering was an absolute. Uh, If you want to be right with God, if you want to have a relationship with God, you must bring the sin offering. For you and I to continue in fellowship with God, we must return to the altar and make sure the blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed us from our sin. It's the thing that saved us, it's the offering that saved us, and it is the offering that you and I have to go back to and go ahead and wash again and make sure we're clean in this life. So that we can retain our fellowship, our good standing with God. But here he's got these free will offerings. And they're not, they're not offerings where, oh, I've got to come down and fix something. It's not the idea of I've sinned and I failed and I'm, I'm miserable and I'm wretched and oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body? Of the... It's not that. It's that there's something that he wants to give because he wants to sacrifice something to God. He wants to give the Lord something. Free will. He chooses. He wasn't ordered. He wasn't asked. He said, hey, if you're going to give me one of these, this is what I'll accept as one of those. And you have to bring it to the altar. And go ahead, it'll get accepted. Turn over to Psalm 107. I'll give you a couple of these. I'll give you some for instance. Psalm 107. 
Look down to verse uh, 21. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. And let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare His works with rejoicing. You say, what kind of a sacrifice could I bring that's free will? Thanksgiving. Say, why should I go to an altar? To thank God for how amazing He is. You ever just been in the spot where you're like, I don't know why God has been so good to me. And you just fall down, and and it could be anywhere, but boy, sometimes you hear a message on the greatness of who God is, and I think maybe that might have been some of this morning and the folks that came, I don't know. Uh, But they come down... I've been to an altar before just to go, God, thank you. I I feel so inadequate because you've been so good to me and I haven't been that great to you, but I just want to thank you for being so good to me, for being faithful to me when I haven't been faithful all the time, for being being good to me when I haven't been good to you all the time, for meeting my needs when I didn't do what I was supposed to do, but you still protected me anyways. Thank you for giving me these things and forget not all his benefits. Say, what's free will offering? Just thanking him. That's a good free will one. Just come down and say, God, thank you for giving me a Bible. Thank you for giving me a church. Thank you for giving me a good family. Thank you for, Lord, you have given me so much. Hey, that doesn't seem like much of a sacrifice. Well, it is in the eyes of God. Just to thank him for being that good. To turn around and thank him for his son paying for all of your sins again. I don't know that there's going to be a day that you don't have the ability to thank him for that and still owe him another thank you. I don't know that there's going to be a time in our lives where we don't have at least the opportunity to go, thank you, Lord, for dying for me. How do you, how do you stop thanking him for that? And it's a sacrifice. He paid the debt of our sins. It's a sacrifice of thanksgiving, telling others, as well as coming down and just thanking Him personally. Uh, You know, when you do something amazing, you want people to thank you? Uh, Isn't that normal? You get done with something. I mean, nowadays it's kind of amazing when anybody thanks you for anything. But you do something for somebody, you expect, oh, thanks. Thank you. I appreciate that. Why is it when God does all the wonderful things He does for us, we don't thank Him very much? Say, what is it? It's just a sacrifice, and that's why you don't want to give it. You know why it's a sacrifice? It's a sacrifice because it proves that you didn't do it, and He did. And oftentimes, we want to take credit for everything that's good. And the Lord says, no, that was me. And you go, thank you. Thank you. Because I know it wasn't me. Because in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. And the Lord goes ahead and takes care of the need over and over. The Lord supplies and the Lord does. And you ought to give Him a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Look over at Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. I'll just give you a couple of these. 
He says in verse number 15, Hebrews 13, 15. He says, By him, therefore, Jesus Christ, by him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. How about you praise him? You know, it's partly thanking him, but praising him is just pra- Just talk about how great he is, as in how great he is, how amazing. You ever, you ever, uh, you ever come down and just, even at your house or, or just, you get, you get praying and you get thinking about him and you think, God, you're, you're holy. Thank you for being holy. Thank you for being gracious to me. Thank you for being merciful to me. Thank you that you are long-suffering to me. I heard Sam Gipp one time. He was talking. And he was talking about how he, uh, you know, he deals with a lot of pain. And so he's up late, you know, he'll wake up and he'll be stuck awake for however long he goes. And a lot of times I, I read my Bible, I read my next day of Bible reading. He goes, because I know I'm not going to sleep the next day, you know, or I'm going to sleep the next day. Since I'm not sleeping now, I'm going to sleep some point. And so I, got, I better get my Bible reading in. So he starts reading his next day's reading. And he goes, and then sometimes I just, I start praying. He goes, and, and I'll start praying, and then eventually I, I don't know what else to pray for, so I just start talking about the Lord. And I tell him how great he is. I tell him that he's, that he's, that he's all-knowing and he's so, he's so knowledgeable. I tell him that he knows better than I know, and so he's going to answer these the best way he knows. And I start talking about, and he just started listing some stuff. And then he says, you know what I did? He goes, and, and I say, you're, and you're handsome. Lord, you're handsome. And he said, I know what you're thinking. How do you know he's handsome? And he goes, who cares? Who cares? You going to tell God he's not? I said, yeah, there you go. Amen. Amen. Hey, what do you do? Just praise him. You say, is he handsome? Well, he's altogether lovely. Well, then he must be handsome. He's, he is the one who provides everything that you ever need. He's so wonderful and he's so good and he always does the right thing. I was preaching yesterday and I was, I was preaching that message out of Isaiah that I preached here, I don't know, probably a year ago and talking about when all hope is lost, I got talking about that, that section of uh, the book of Isaiah and the great I am's. I am God and beside me there is none else. And who he is and how amazing it is that God can stand there and he can just proclaim who he is and not one person contends with it. The devil doesn't stand up and say, no, no, I'm God. Nope, there's no, there's no contention whatsoever. God says, I'm God, and beside me there is none else. I'm glad he's God. I praise him, why? Because he's God, and he's holy, and he's high, and he ought to be. That's exactly who he is. And his glory doesn't, doesn't go to anybody else, it goes to him. And he's not going to give it away, because he doesn't have to. Uh, I, I praise the Lord, and you just praise Him and praise Him and praise Him. Say, what do you ought to do? You ought to give that freely to Him. That ought to be a free will offering. Just tell Him how great He is and how great He's been. How wonderful He is to have around. 
How wonderful it is that He would even want you around. How wonderful He is for being so good to you. Because that's who He is. Well, you know, some days I feel like He's got it wrong. Me too. And then I remember He's never wrong. About the time I get thinking that I, 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 I got it right and he's got it wrong, I remember real quick that I've been wrong too many times and he's never been wrong once. About that time I realize I lost. And it's not me. I'm not right. He is. And so then you praise him. You say, well, I don't understand what he's doing. Just wait. Just wait. So I don't want to wait. Me neither. Turn over to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Familiar spot. And this is where Brother Daniel's special tonight. Slides right in place. You know where I am, verse number 1, here in Romans chapter 12. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The sacrifice the Lord is looking for is not the sacrifices of the Old Testament. Sacrifices of the Old Testament, the sacrifice is burned and destroyed and killed. He's not looking for that. So what's he looking for? A living sacrifice. It's strange. Most religion goes, die for me. Jesus Christ says, live for me. I died for you, you live for me. It's a great dichotomy from the world's religion. The world's religion, well, oh no, you got to blow yourself up or you got to get martyred or you got to have this happen or that happen and you got to suffer and you know beat yourself and do all these crazy things. And Jesus Christ says, I don't want you to do any of that. I just want you to live for me. A living sacrifice. A living sacrifice shows your humility. Here's where the altar comes in is humility. It is that I am willing to lay down my life in the sense that it's not going to be my choices any longer. It'll be all of His. The place of the altar is truly met when you and I decide we're going to get down on the altar and give ourselves and say, Lord, you can do whatever you want with me. That's the place. Say, why, why should I come down here? This is a place where, uh, honestly, I know you can do it anywhere. And if, if you do it anywhere, that's fine. I'm a little particular. Because if I were to walk into the other building next door, I can walk you to the place where I surrendered. Particular. You say, where was it? It was an altar like this one. It was just over there. We didn't have this one yet. Amazingly enough, I haven't really moved my spot very often. 
I, uh, I like, I like to sit where I sit. I like to, now I'm up here all the time. So it's a little different for me. Uh, but, uh, I used to, my spot is right here, by the way, anybody who takes this spot praying, this is my spot at the altar. Uh, feel free. I'm up here most of the time now, so I don't often get to come down all the way there and use it. Uh, but you go, you mirror that over to next door. And that was the spot where I prayed and I told the Lord, okay, I surrender. What does that take? That takes humility. That takes humility. To do what? To let the Lord have His way instead of yours. Paul's statement, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, living sacrifice, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. The altar is the place where you get to make a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice is only done through humility. You can't, you can't give yourself and then take it back later. That's not a real sacrifice. A true sacrifice is supposed to be taken and never taken back. It is given, and the Lord accepts, and you are not supposed to be able... That's why it burns in the Old Testament. It was designed to not return to the sender. That was the, that was the object. The sad reality for Christians is we oftentimes can put things at the altar and take them back because they're not consumed with the fire and we don't count them as loss. We wake up in the morning and you know what you and I do? We have to decide whether it will be His will or our will. We come to a choice, you know what we have to do? We have to make a choice. Are we going to humble ourselves and give it up or are we going to go our own way and do our own thing? The Christian, you know what we struggle with? We struggle with the realization of doing it His way instead of our way. And it's over and over again. And that altar shows up over and over and over again. Over and over and over. You know what you get? Will you do it His way or are you going to keep yours? Is He leading or are you leading? One of the best illustrations I've ever heard I don't remember who said it. But he said, you're driving down the road and uh, you're driving in the car and you're sitting there and, and you're behind the steering wheel and uh, you've got Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus is my co-pilot. And you got him right there next to you and he wants to navigate, so he tells you where to turn. And at first I started to turn the way he told me to go, but then I could see the road that he wanted me to turn down and I didn't like the looks of it, so I decided to keep going and not turn. And I thought, well, that's not going to work. So I got out of the driver's seat and I went into the passenger seat and I told him to drive and take me wherever you'd like me to go. And so God started driving and I was sitting next to him. But the problem was when I'd see a road that I didn't want to go down, I'd say, don't go that way. And he wouldn't. So I said, I know what I'll do. I'll get in the back seat. And I hopped into the back seat and I became a back seat driver. And I'd still tell him where to turn and he'd do everything. 
It wasn't until I realized that he should put me in the trunk so that I could not see where I went and tell him, take me wherever you'd like me to go, that he would ever fully be in control. This week, you're going to get preaching and preaching and more preaching. And you know what you're going to hear? In preaching class, you know what they all learned? I learned, I learned it in preaching classes. I learned it from Pastor Legault. I learned, bring them to a decision and make a choice. Make a choice. Preaching is to bring you to a decision. That's what it's there for. And maybe the decision is, I'm already doing that. Praise the Lord. I'm going to keep doing it. That's a decision. <laughs> maybe you're doing everything right and you go, praise the Lord. I'm going to keep doing that. <laughs> or maybe it's going to be, I haven't been doing that. Or I used to do that, and I quit doing that. Or maybe it's, I need to start doing these things, or I need to stop doing these things. And the Lord speaks to you, and you know what you're going to have to decide? You're going to have to decide if you're going to use an altar. And I get that you don't have to use this one. But it amazes me, because I've done both. I've prayed in my seat. I've prayed at the altar. I've prayed at the house afterwards. I've, pray, I've prayed all over the place for those things. But you know what's amazing to me? It's amazing to me that when you step down to this altar because he asked you to come and the Lord tells you to come, how humbling it is to step in front of a group of people and come down here and sacrifice something. I say, well, everybody's going to think poorly of me. I think quite the opposite. I, I don't look down at anybody who shows up in an altar. Real quick, if that, if that young man this morning would have walked the aisle and come forward, how many of you would look down upon him for coming to Jesus Christ this morning? Well, I hope none of you. I hope nobody in the room would have looked down on him. I think we all would have been a little excited about the fact that a lost sinner came down an aisle to come meet Jesus for the first time. I think if that happens, we get excited. <laughs> well, I don't understand why. If it is a sin problem, I don't understand why anybody would be upset about you getting right with the Savior. The father's pretty excited when he sees that prodigal son coming. The Lord's pretty excited when he gets to bring a lost sheep home. I don't understand why you'd be upset, why anybody would be upset. Not to mention, they have no clue why you're coming. You know what's amazing to me? Nobody knows why you're showing up at an altar. Because you may just show up at an altar to thank Him and praise Him. You may be bringing one of those free will offerings. Going, Lord, thank you so much to keep me out of that mess I didn't think I'd ever get out of. Now, I don't know about you, I've had some things come up in a message and I didn't, nobody, pastor wasn't there, whoever was preaching at the time, they weren't there, they weren't talking about anything. I saw a verse on another page because I looked down and the Lord said, hey, you. <laughs> and I went, hey, that's me. And why did I go to the altar that day? I went to the altar that day, not because of the message that was preached from a pulpit, I got it from the Lord just sitting right there. And the Lord said, hey, I need you to see this really quick so we can fix that real quick. 
Nobody knows why you come to an altar. Say, what's so humbling about it is that you would come and lay your gift at an altar and everybody sees you want to bring a sacrifice. Some people, I'm going to say this, I'm winding it up, I promise. Some people get a little, oh, the kids go down to the altar. I don't know why they're going down. I like that they use an altar. Get used to using an altar. Say, why? Because too many people don't recognize what it's for. Now, if you, you see somebody else willing to humble themselves, I got to be careful with this last piece right here. It's not a show. I don't mean it like that when I say this statement right here. But you ever been encouraged by somebody else going to the altar right before you did? You ever, you ever been in a service where you felt really, I mean, the invitation is there, is a little tight, nobody's moving, everybody's kind of like, mm, I got to move, but I don't want to move, but I don't want to be the first one to move, I don't know what I should do, and then somebody steps out? I've been in those. And then all of a sudden other people are like, yeah, I probably should. I don't think you go to the altar because the person next to you went to the altar. That's not what I'm saying. I hope you understand that. But if you get told to go to the altar, you may help somebody realize, I can go too. I know I should go. I know I should go. I know I should go. But nobody else is going, and I feel awkward. Why is the altar so important? It's important because it's the place where you get to show God your humility in being willing to offer anything back to the one who gave everything. Let's go ahead and stand. Once again, this isn't a, I don't necessarily count this as a huge invitation message right here. It's more to set up the week of meetings and the truth that the altar is available. Uh, this hasn't changed during the singing, during the preaching, during any time that you need to come down and talk to the Lord, you go ahead and do it. If you need to just turn around and kneel in your seat or if you need to come down and use this altar up here or if you just need to take a moment in your heart and go ahead, take care of it. Do it immediately. There's no reason to wait. But you can come down and you can talk to the Lord yourself. You can go ahead and use that altar and say, God, thank you. God, I want to praise you. Lord, I just need to get some forgiveness. Lord, I want to offer myself a living sacrifice. I know you told me to do that, and I ought to be doing that. And that's what I should have been doing in the first place, but I haven't been doing it. And so what I'm going to do now is I'm going to promise, I'm going to, I'm going to be the sacrifice. I'm going to do what you asked me to do. I'll give up my will for your will. Let me humble myself. Because the truth is, the altar is actually a wonderful place where burdens are taken away, lives are changed for the better, and Jesus Christ is praised forever. That's the place of the altar. It's a beautiful place. It's a place where souls are saved and lives can be made whole again. That's the altar. 
And I hope we get to use it a lot this week. Maybe even just to praise him for how good he's been. Father, I do thank you for the night. I pray you would bless in Jesus' name. Amen.